And that was Ellie Canton Nantel, the host of Save Generation Z podcast. Make sure to tune in on the next episode of Conservative Roundup. Welcome back to episode 32 of Conservative Roundup. Today we're joined by Ellie the Canton Nantel, the host of Save Generation Z and a writer for the Post Millennial. Thanks for being here, Ellie. It's great to have you. Thanks, guys, for having me on your, your podcast. Thanks. Why well, don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So uh, my name is Eli, as um, you said. Uh, I have been involved in politics uh, since the age of 14. I'm currently 18, finishing up grade 12 while working part-time uh, as a campaign manager and uh, also working for a member of parliament. I, I also did write for the Post Millennial. It's a job that I really did love. But I'm on a leave right now to work on the campaign. And as soon as the campaign is done, I will be back writing these articles. Um, I guess I've always been involved, interested in politics. I, tell, I like to tell this, the story of how um, in grade three, there was a campaign office beside my school and I went and got a button. It was a liberal button, so clearly my views changed uh, since then. Um, I guess I really became a conservative when I, I just really disliked Justin Trudeau and and I would the, the comparison I guess between him and what was going on in the states with conservatism really gave me a clear picture of, of what ideology works and not works. So I joined a party to vote in the 2017 leadership race. I helped the 20 um, the PC in 2018. I worked. I didn't do much during the 2019 campaign because I was busy with school, but I did get really involved in 2020, including. Uh, that podcast that I started uh, on my own time and actually this podcast landed me a job on, on the hill so it turns out to um, have been a blessing for me to to, to do all of that wow. well, why don't you tell us a little bit about your your podcast okay so um, I was gen- genuinely looking for oh, I didn't like the way the mainstream media interviewed the, the um, leadership candidates and I wanted to be able to 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 present these candidates, especially Leslie Lewis, um, to younger people who were maybe more lenient towards people like Peter McKay. So I created this podcast asking very different questions uh, than what other podcasters would ask, try to get a different side out of people and to really start a good conversation because something that especially rookies don't really seem to get at first is that politicians are people just like the rest of us. And I mean, I know this because I've, I've spent quite a lot of times personal time with, with different politicians at different levels. And they really just are normal people like the rest of us. They just have a job that's in the public eye. So uh, my really my, my goal was to try to share that with, with people and to get young people engaged. There's so many left-wing uh, outlets that are popular with young people, and there's barely any for, for conservatives. And we need to fight back if we're going to stop this uh, movement of uh, mainstream leftism in our generation. Mm-hmm. For sure, and, and, and another thing that you're fighting as well is the, is the 16 lowering the, the voting age to 16 because coming as a student as well as me, Callum, and Jack and, and Jackson, just my our school in particular, like in, in my experiences personally, there's there's not a lot of there is a lot of partisan politics with, with teachers, and and you really need to make sure that if if a senator is really wanting to put the lowering this, the voting age lower, you have to have those safeguards in place to make sure that. There's no bias going on in the classrooms as well for students that are that are going to vote in an election, right? Absolutely. Look, um, the voting age at 16, I break. I, I think it is, and I'm a young person, right? I'm 18 now, but you know, but even before that, I, w- I would have. I've always said no. 
uh, based on three things. First of all, there's the um, act of scientific aspect, the mental aspect. Your brain is not as developed at 16 as 18. And going being an adolescence and all the, the puberty and all of the stuff in your brain actually makes you a very irresponsible voter. Um, second of all, as you said, there is the indoctrination aspect that uh, people will um, they vote either who their parents tell them to vote, who their friends tell them to vote, but more scary, scarily, they, who their teachers tell them to vote. And the third, the third aspect is quite simple. The majority of people vote, vote with their wallets. What, which candidate is going to make life more affordable? When you're 16, you're living with your parents who pay for everything. They buy you a car. You go to school. They pay for your call, right? They, you do not know what it is like to live. So for you to make a decision, especially considering how close some writings are, you know, some writings are decided with less than 100 votes, that would have an impact and it would ruin mm. the lives of hardworking people just because some candidate has, you know, appeals to young people for being woke. Like, that's not democracy. Democracy is you have the people working in society that are voting for candidates that will actually impact them, not people who will make their feelings better. Mm -hmm. For sure. Thanks. And speaking about youth and all that stuff, um, like about two weeks ago, we had the conservative convention and we were talking about the, one of the policies was about a federal youth wing. Um, and now I uh, voted it down. I didn't agree with it. Uh, do you mind just giving us your thoughts on that? I, I voted it down too. I was actually, uh, you know, the virtual convention, the way it was made, I wasn't able to speak on that. I would have loved to speak on that. There was a few debates I got into on Facebook, but here's, here, here's the thing is a, a partisan youth wing is like socialism. The idea sounds great, but in reality it is terrible. And you don't have to look any further than um, the province that I am originally from, Ontario, um, where we have the largest youth pol political youth wing in Canada, and it's an absolute disaster. I'm not going to go too much into detail because I don't want to call anybody else, but we have, you know, young people getting threats from other young people, uh, young people um, getting a cease and desist letters from other young people, you um, running for president, uh, you know, president of this youth wing, which is you know, a little title for a volunteer, where they, they, they literally spend more money than a nomination. Like last campaign, they spent 20 grand on becoming uh, president of a youth association. Like that's outrageous. Um, mm. Basically, I call it, a, uh, um, you know, it's a sandbox for the rich. And the majority of the money they get from the party, hard, you know, money from donors, it goes to alcohol. So, and, you know, this is the bad part. The only good part I would say about our youth wing provincially is the networking opportunities. But that's because the majority of people live in the GTA and around Toronto. If you have a federal youth wing, you can't really have that. The only people who would be able to fly across the country are people who are wealthy, especially since flights in Canada are so expensive. Just flying here. Thank God I'm not paying for my plane ticket because I'm hired. But $500 to fly one way, like, that's ridiculous. So... It would only make the situation worse. And the second point that I want to make, um, there were some people claiming on Facebook, especially boomers, because it seems to be boomers who are the most uh, enthusiastic about a, a federal <laughs> youth wing. There was looking at there were there was a, a, a chart. I think it was from um, um, Leger or one of the polling, and it showed very low support for conservatives amongst young people, and they were justifying that for a youth wing. Like you're not going to convince me that a little club for a few rich uh, kids is going to increase the vote. I actually know people who left the PC party because of how bad the youth wing was. So that's not going to happen. If you want to increase the vote, the youth vote, you got to have policies that counter issues that matter to, to young people, not 
shun them or pretend that they care about you know woke things which is unfortunately what the party seems to think attracts young people mm-hmm. yeah and speaking on that like, i agree with you 100 there um what policies do you think the conservative party of canada should like bring in to encourage more uh youth to vote for their party well i was actually when we had our policy convention i thought there weren't any you know there wasn't any really good I mean, there was cer- certain interesting thing but it wasn't like when I like to talk about politics or so the work we do in our office, it, it's always really good, strong, and it just felt very like mellow. Um, I feel like I'm almost concerned that it's going to be, an, you know, the same campaign as 2019. Mm-hmm. That's not going to attract young people. Young people don't care as, mu- as much as economic, like taxes as versus more social issues. Um, if we adopted a similar model to Turning Point USA, you know, we really focus on cancel culture, free speech, maybe socialism, Stuff like that, you know, they're really on the ground. Uh, they, and they advocate for good ideas like this. I think that would attract a lot of young people to say, you know, to bring their message. There's a lot of reasons why young people should be voting conservative. There's a lot of young people who don't like Justin Trudeau. And if the party does not uh, try to swing this group of people over, we're never going to succeed because soon we will be the voting bloc. And if our minds haven't been changed, we will be under left left wing rule for basically the rest of our lives, and gosh, I don't want to see that. Yeah. Um, now, Ily, um, what do you think we have to do to get the youth more involved? Because there's not there's not a whole lot of youth support, especially in teenagers that aren't involved in politics. They're just like, wow, that's not an issue that I too care about, right? Um, so, what do you think we need to do to get more youth people involved? That's a really good question. The answer to not the answer to what not to do is youth wing. Uh, the answer, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, look, I mean, young people have not always been too involved in politics. It's usually something you do when you're older. That I mean, you know, we're all, you know, in, involved. There are young people who are involved, like the four of us. But it, it really, I think, a lot of people overstated. What matters most is that people vote. But even that, I think that if somebody's not educated, we shouldn't convince them to go and vote because they're not going to make a, a smart decision. I think mm-hmm. I think that good civics class that are not biased are important. Um, I think that, you know, researching and learning about democracy, why democracy is, is so important, um, you know, really getting, you know, if you, you have a friend that has an issue that they care about, well, encourage them to actually get proactively involved in dealing with that issues. Um, I got a ton of young people to sign up to vote for Leslie Lewis who I never didn't even know you could be a member of a political party. So it's about finding people, finding what issues they care about and say, well, look, this candidate cares about these issues. How about you sign up? And yeah, I had people who were telling me I would never sign up to, to a political party. And yet they did. They signed up and they voted for Leslin. So I think it's doable. You got you to gotta work hard. You got to encourage people to get involved when they care about something. And I think education-wise, it, it needs to be good education, but it has to be unpartial because that is a big problem right now what I, I would consider indoctrination in, in our schools specifically public schools yeah for sure and like the liberals and NDP like they more appeal to the youth because they promise all this free stuff you know like free tuition or free this free that and it sounds good you know like for a that person that like would, socialism <laughs> yeah no that's basically what it is like socialism it sounds good to a person that doesn't necessarily, you know, know too much about politics with all this free stuff. And then the, the, like in 10 years, they'll be like, why is my taxes 70%, right? 
exactly. Yeah, um, you got people have to know the value of money. That's actually a problem with our generation. Is um, back in my parents' day, like millennials, when you know, actually they weren't millennials; they were boom, boomers. But young boomers <laughs> would not basically eat out every night at fancy restaurants. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And drink ten dollars Starbucks coffees every day. Like that wasn't a thing. People no. saved up. They bought a house. They lived on with their lives. People don't yeah. really value money anymore. And Definitely. when you don't value money, you don't care how much tax you pay. You don't care about the debt. If you have debt yourself that you don't care about, who cares about federal debt? So we have a different demographic of, of people that we had um, 20, 30 years ago. We have, uh, you know, almost just a bunch of spoiled people who really don't seem to understand what money is and uh, the value of work. They all want universal basic income, which is basically Serb for life. Like, yeah, it's not good. It's not good. So, but we do. I think, as I said before, Turning Point USA and other organizations to really bring the message out: nothing is free, and the stuff that is free from the government is usually not very good. It's usually very low quality. Um, you know, I can just think free health. If the U.S. adopted free health care, I mean, you can just look at some of their public schools. Uh, especially in minority neighborhood neighborhoods, and yeah. just think how terrible the hospitals would be. So, um, it, I think it's really just showing that in reality, nothing is free, and what is free is not really good. And again, being more proactive, doing stuff like what you guys are doing, what I was doing. Yeah. Everybody's got to play a part if if we're gonna educate people to support more conservative views than just uh, somebody who promises free stuff that's in reality not free. Yeah, for sure, definitely. Uh, my next question is, what what issues do you think the Conservative Party needs to focus on in the upcoming election? Um, there's a lot of issues that they are unfortunately not focusing on. Um, I do say that the plan to recovery is good. It's a solid plan. It's sure. important. I love the mental health aspect to it, um, being ready for the next pandemic. That's really good. But that should not be the only thing to run on. Because right now, I think that's going to be the slogan, secure the future. That's going to be the only thing they're going to run on. It reminds me a lot of Tim Hudak's million jobs plan in 2014. Oh, yeah. We're in a very similar situation. There was a liberal minority government with an unpopular premier, an even more unpopular premier that succeeded him. Um, they were doomed to lose. And this millions jobs plan, this sheer focus on just, just, just the economy, which is what a lot of red Tories want to do nowadays, it failed. Kathleen Wynne, who was hated, got a majority government, and that was four yeah. years of, for a lot of people, four years of hell. So um, I think we need to go beyond that. I think, uh, unfortunately, it seems that the people, who the, whoever is is telling the leader, giving the leader advice, I don't know what planet they're living on, but to tell Aaron to tweet about trans equity, uh, I, I don't think that that's going to get us any support. You know, we need to talk about real issues, like what's going on with our civil liberties, for example. They're being infringed at, at an incredibly high rate, pandemic and non-pandemic related. I mean, Trudeau's about to introduce an online censorship bill, which would have a something called a, a switch, where if there's a, um, they were even signing this, if there's like an article that's mean towards like Catherine McKenna, they can just switch and it will be deleted from the internet. Like, that that's some stuff they're considering right now. That's really serious stuff. Um, the China files, they need to be tougher on China um, like he was during the leadership race. Um, you know, cancel culture. We need to talk about social issues. I, I would even say we should bring up things like sex-selective abortion and the, the, the problem of biological males in female sports, stuff like that that the majority of Canadians agree with but that would drive the media crazy. 
that's how conservatives win because it really exposes the the hypocrisy that's how doug ford won that's how trump won even though you know we don't necessarily need that much of of uh, a person that it's a successful way of winning when you bring up issues that the majority of canadians agree with but that drive the elites and media crazy yeah for sure definitely all right thank you now my, my next point ellie is coming back to the 2020 presidential election like a lot of like our generation they, they voted for for president biden because well well quote unquote he's not trump right Oh, he's not Trump, so we're going to vote for him. He's going to give us this, he's going to give us that. Joe Biden hasn't delivered on anything. And a very serious issue coming up in the next U.S. presidential election in 2024 is the generation, how they vote. Because right now, at a recent poll done by Turning Point USA, as you're saying, was a lot. So how the the voice system works is it, it either go for a Republican, it'll go tomato red. It'll go light red, pink, and then brown. Brown is more of like a middle point, like a very close but slim majority for Republicans. And, and there's possible talk that Florida could turn brown in 2024. And that I think that, and as well as other Republican states, and I think that's a very huge issue, right? As well as Canada, because he's saying is that final hundred, hundred couple hundred votes that could change of how some of how someone gets in. How how do you think that over the over the next couple of years? our generation should stay educated and really look into what's happening? That's a really good question. It is concerning. I do have to point out, especially the U.S., it's kind of true here, but that is totally fixable. Is the You know, we have a lot of, they have a lot of immigrants coming in from Latino countries and they tend to vote Democrat. And here we have a lot of immigrants too that vote liberal. But the majority of these immigrants are conservative. Uh, I know a lot of Muslims they all vote liberal, and there's not a single thing about them that are liberal. They, they remind me much more of the social conservatives and the Christians who vote conservative. So I think that what has to happen, and in the U.S., they've done so well. I mean, Florida was flipped mostly because of Latino votes, and some counties in Texas, too. There has to be really good messaging targeted at these people because they support conservatism. And the same with the blacks in the United States. They're God-loving people. They they're pro-life, but they all vote Democrat because it's in the culture. So it's about breaking those those, those norms, um, breaking the norms that Muslims have to vote liberal. Mm-hmm. And you do that by also having Muslims in our party. Uh, you have more Latino voices in our party that will attract people um, to show really, to, to be outspoken and to really show that, no, the liberals don't actually stand for your values. Um, they support values that are contradictory to what you believe in. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of these people should be voting conservative. It, it's an open net. Same thing goes for Quebec. Uh, we could have won Quebec easily in 2019. We didn't win Quebec in 2019. Um, for the young people, again, this was a quote from, I think it was from Churchill. Uh, I might be wrong. Maybe it's for someone else. He said, if uh, you know, a young person's not a, a liberal, they don't have a part. But if an older person is still liberal, they don't have a brain, right? So I think we can expect young people to be a bit more left-wing, but we really can't lose guard on what's happening because mm-hmm. if we do, then we're, we're toast. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'd like to, to thank you very much for all your time, Ali. I hope that we could do this again. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I think this is, this is a great initiative. Perfect. All the best on your podcast. Thank you. Thank you. How long have you guys been doing this? this- and I saw that you, you guys interviewed a few few of the EMPs. February, I think we started, yeah. Yeah, I think for the, around ago. February. That's good. In April, yeah, February. <laughs>
and that was Ellie Canton Nantel, the host of Save Generation Z podcast. Make sure to tune in on the next episode of Conservative Roundup.